This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Knife violence at a Port Moody school. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty new here, so it was kind of shocking to see the, the whole incident. Why it could have turned out much worse and what we know about the suspect. Radical ideas to solve overcrowded classrooms. Here's an opportunity for the government to really hear us out loud. The new survey in Surrey that could decide the future of schooling. And busting a bathroom voyeur. Of course, we're definitely very apologetic about everything. The toothbrush spy cam he used to record a tenant and what the judge believes is a just punishment. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. There were some terrifying moments outside of Port Moody School when a fight apparently escalated with a knife involved. The video is startling, and as Aaron MacArthur reports, it happened in broad daylight with dozens of students as witnesses. It flashes by in an instant, a boy running in terror, chased by another youth armed with what appears to be a large knife. The incident happening Monday afternoon at a bus stop in front of Heritage Woods Secondary School in Port Moody. The altercation was witnessed by dozens of students on the bus and on the sidewalk. It's, it's screwed up. Eyewitnesses we spoke with didn't want to put their safety at risk, but the news quickly spread around the school. Everyone heard about it or saw the video. I'm pretty new here, so it was kind of shocking to see the, the whole incident, even more in front of the school and everything. While the alleged victim was a student at the school, the school principal put out a notice to students, staff and parents Tuesday. The suspect was not a student at the school and the incident appears not to be targeted. The principal goes on to say, rest assured that we are working with the police on this matter to ensure the safety of our students. According to Port Moody Police, the suspect is known to them and was arrested a few hours later. At this point, we're in the evidence gathering phase of this investigation, but we're looking for information um, and context as to what actually sparked this incident. Thankfully, the, the youth that uh, was, was the target of this, this act managed to escape um, safely and was unharmed, but this could have been so much worse. Police asking for anyone with information or video to come forward to speak with investigators who are likely to forward weapons-related charges to Crown Council. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Police have announced a charge in connection with a fatal stabbing outside a Surrey High School almost one year ago. It was over the noon hour, November 22nd, that 18-year-old Mahak Sethi was attacked outside Tamanawa Secondary. A 17-year-old identified by witnesses was arrested a short time later but released. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team says the now 18-year-old has been charged with second-degree murder. Police say the two knew each other and this was not a random attack. Uh, this was a tragic incident and I can understand how for families this would be really hard for them. Um, Mr. Sethi was a young man, 18 years old, just starting his life. He aspired to be in the army, to serve his country, and his life was taken far too early. 
The suspect's name is not being released because he was a youth at the time of the incident. Police are searching for a suspect in what investigators now say was a targeted shooting at a Langley townhouse complex this morning. Our Alyssa Thibault has more on what RCMP and witnesses are saying. A quiet townhouse complex turned crime scene in Langley after an early morning shooting. Just on my way home, uh, was pulling into the back alley there and into our garage and just heard two loud bangs. Police say it happened around 7.30 in the 20100 block of 84th Avenue. I see a man uh, laying down and then he was shouting, help, help. A number of neighbours jumped into action to help after finding a man had been shot in the leg. He was bleeding a lot, but he looks very composed. Initially there was panic, but then over a period like he looks very composed. Police say the man was conscious and talking while being transported to hospital. Investigators are still trying to piece together what happened and why. Some residents told Global News they believed the victim may have surprised someone near a vehicle parked in a driveway, which resulted in shots being fired. What I heard is like he heard a noise in the rear side of the car. Uh, he went closer towards it and then he got shot. Though Langley RCMP say it doesn't appear to be completely random. Investigation is in its infancy. It's very early to determine uh, the true cause, but we believe that this was targeted to this specific individual and there is no risk to the public. And when asked if the victim is known to police... I cannot comment on that at this point. So far, no arrests have been made and RCMP have not released any details about a possible motive or suspect. Some residents tell us they also saw a white SUV leave the scene just after the shooting happened. RCMP say they want to hear from anyone who may have seen that and they're also asking anyone with information to come forward. Alyssa Thibault, Global News, Langley. A West Vancouver man who used a hidden camera to take nude photos and video of an international student could avoid a criminal record. Kristen Robinson has the story and the disturbing details on where the camera was hidden. A West Vancouver man who hid a camera in an electric toothbrush charger to take clandestine photos and video of an international student in the bathroom will avoid a criminal record if he completes 30 months of probation. The 43-year-old healthcare worker, whom we are not naming due to a publication ban on anything that would identify the victim, Oh, he's not here. Pleaded guilty to one count of voyeurism in June and received a conditional discharge last month. It's definitely been very traumatic for all of us. Court heard the international student was placed in the man's home in April of last year, where she shared a bathroom with his teenage daughter. The 21-year-old noticed the man was charging his electric toothbrush in her bathroom, even though he and his wife had an ensuite. In late August, she noticed the toothbrush was being charged while the family was away and found it really odd. The student took a closer look at the charger and saw a small camera lens on it. When she took out the SD card and found videos of her using the bathroom or taking a shower, she contacted police, who found nine videos of the victim in the bathroom, nude or partially dressed. The man's home was searched, and the toothbrush charger surveillance device recovered in the garbage. He is extremely, extremely apologetic about, about that whole event. It hasn't been a very good, uh, it wasn't a, a good time for everyone. During sentencing in North Vancouver Provincial Court, Judge Joseph Galati said the offense required a degree of planning and occurred on nine separate occasions. But he noted the man cooperated with police, pleaded guilty, and has no criminal record. Quote, 
I find that a conditional discharge is not contrary to the public interest. His actions were out of character, and it appears that a marital intimacy deficit contributed to the offending conduct. I guess we can only be better, and that's what we're working on is to become better people, for sure. Under his probation conditions, the convicted voyeur is not allowed to have any females outside of his extended family living at his home after January 1st, when his current female student leaves. But there's nothing to prevent him from hosting female students again once he finishes his probation. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Five of the female police officers at the center of a proposed class action lawsuit met with the Solicitor General today at the B.C. Legislature. More than 60 additional women have now joined that court action targeting gender-based discrimination and harassment in municipal policing. And as Catherine Urquhart reports, they want action. Back on October 12th, six current and former women police officers announced a proposed class action lawsuit for discrimination and harassment based on gender. Today, five of those women were here at the legislature in Victoria pushing for change. They have all worked for municipal police departments in BC and have made numerous troubling allegations in their suit against 13 cities with municipal police agencies, along with the Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner and BC's Solicitor General and Public Safety Minister. Tuesday morning, they were introduced in the House by MLA Eleanor Sturko, a former RCMP officer who also faced harassment. They've now been joined by more than 60 other women from municipal forces across the province, and they're here in the BC Legislature to raise awareness for the need for changes to our Police Act to serve victims better who are the victims of gender-based harassment and discrimination. Hello. And there was this meeting with Minister Farnworth, who, in his role as Solicitor General, is among those named as defendants in the suit. Yeah, we had a discussion ahead of time to make sure everything will be good. Due to the ongoing lawsuit, Farnworth listened only, the women telling him their stories and what they hope will happen. Changes to the Police Act, as well as independent oversight for um, investigating internal harassment. It gave us the opportunity to tell him what we've suffered. It was amazing to be heard and for him to acknowledge the fact that these things have happened. He patiently listened uh, to, to us explaining the suppression, the depth of harm that can happen and has happened and is happening to females in policing. We were able to open his eyes to actually what is going on and put faces to what we have lived. The meetings in Victoria are just the beginning, say the women. The female officers say they will continue their quest for safer work environments. As for the proposed class action lawsuit, a decision on certification is not expected for about a year. Catherine Urquhart, Global News, Victoria. All right, let's bring in Keith Baldry for more on this. Keith, uh, it obviously seemed like a productive meeting uh, based on the women who were there, and it might be mm -hmm. from a policy perspective, too. This issue's created a rare showing of, of bipartisanship. 
Yes, yeah, so you may have noticed Eleanor Sturkel, the liberal, uh, or the BC United opposition MLA, was actually in the, in the minister's office. I can't remember the last time I actually saw an opposition member in a cabinet minister's office. Simply doesn't happen. This was an example of the two sides coming together, putting politics aside. Eleanor Sturkel explaining why she thought today's event was so unique from that perspective. No, I don't normally hang out with Minister Farnworth. In fact, people are probably more used to seeing us exchanging barbs in the in the chamber. Um, but you know, we have a common interest here, and that is to make sure that the Police Act is going to be serving female police officers or any police officer, for that matter, that would be facing uh, gender-based harassment, sexual assault, uh, discrimination in the workplace. And I think it's in both of our interests and the interest of both the opposition and the government to make sure that legislation serves the people of British. And as Catherine noted in her story, Mike Farnworth was not able to comment today on the advice of lawyers. We'll see how this case uh, uh, proceeds in the months ahead. But again, very welcome sign of a rare sign of bipartisanship at the BC legislature today. Certainly is. Keith, thanks very much. All right. Some drastic measures are being considered to deal with overcrowded classrooms in Surrey. From year-round schooling to staggered starts, the district is trying to think beyond the portable. But as Janet Brown reports, the bottom line is more schools are needed. Portables at Surrey schools have long been a way to deal with overcrowding. Right now, it is very crowded. I don't like it. I'm very, very much upset. But now the school district is thinking about other ways to address the problem. We've now reached over 80,000 students. We're the largest school district in BC and one of the largest in Canada. The district has launched a survey to figure out how best to deal with overcrowding and is offering several ideas. There is 12 different possibilities that the parents can look at, ask questions about, and like I said, they have till November 28th to respond to that. Some of the ideas include prefabricated modular buildings, online classes for secondary students, dividing the school day into two shifts, and year-round schooling. Anything is good to give it a try. No. Don't confuse them. They are already very much confused. We know that the growth continues to um, increase where we're not able to sort of sustain it. Surrey teachers say the survey is a good way to hear from the public, but the solution to overcrowding is more schools. Here's an opportunity for the government to really hear us out loud and hear the community and do the right thing fund the system. With the growth that we have, uh, we will be looking at some innovative ideas and uh, uh, this survey, I would say, is just checking out those ideas. It is not something concrete that has come up. These are only band-aid solutions. We need to get to the crux of the problem and get more schools built. Surrey Councillor Linda Annis says being forced to look at different education options is not the answer to the growing school population. In this day and age, we shouldn't be thinking about split shifts and hybrid learning and all of that. We need to provide proper education to our students. Surrey has 375 portables right now. There could be 400 by next year. Janet Brown, Global News. The long-running murder trial of Ibrahim Ali is nearing an end more than seven months after it began. What the defense told the jury today and the dramatic moment when the accused stood up to speak. That's next on the News Hour. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? 
you need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Rolling Stones announced a new tour with only one stop in Canada. But don't get angry. It's Vancouver. Details later. Plus, how an experimental drug saved this boy's life and plans for a clinical trial super hub in B.C. that could save many more. Right now, though, the trial of the man accused of killing a young Burnaby teen six years ago is finally going to the jury. Rumina Dea reports on the unexpected conclusion of the evidence portion of the trial and a surprising moment in court involving the accused. Just as the judge was set to begin, Ibrahim Ali stood up from his chair in courtroom 53 and said, Mr. Justice, I'd like to speak to the jury. Justice Lance Bernard said no. Moments later, defense told the jury it is not calling a case, meaning Ali will not take the stand. No evidence presented on behalf of the accused. Ali's lawyer, Kevin McCullough, told the jury Crown has not met its burden. The onus is on Crown counsel to prove its theory beyond a reasonable doubt that Ali sexually assaulted and strangled the young teen in a random attack. The girl's partially nude body discovered on the forest floor in Burnaby Central Park more than six years ago. Ali's DNA found inside the teen, says Crown. Ali has pleaded not guilty to first-degree murder. The jury has heard from more than 40 witnesses. The trial, which is now in its eighth month, was initially scheduled for three months. While DNA is the strongest evidence, the case is circumstantial. No witnesses. Because defense isn't calling any evidence, we have yet to hear its narrative as to what happened and why the jury should find Ali not guilty of murder. Defense has suggested the person who had sex with the teen may not be the same person who killed her. The jury is scheduled to be back in court November 30th when closing arguments are set to begin, starting with Crown. Romina Dea, Global News. Sightings of a full-grown cougar in the Burnside neighborhood of Victoria put residents on high alert today and it got a full response from Victoria police and conservation officers. As Kylie Stanton reports, officers caught up with the big cat late this afternoon and were forced to make a difficult decision. Before the sun came up or alarm clocks had gone off, Victoria police were busy making the rounds. So using the PA system that they have in their patrol vehicles, just making an announcement to everyone. A rude awakening for people in this usually quiet waterfront community. Saying like, don't leave your house, uh, make sure your kids are safe and... I was looking around as if I was in the jungle. <laughs> This cougar, which appears to be full-grown, was seen roaming in the Burnside neighborhood in the early hours of Tuesday morning. It was first reported to Victoria Police just before 5 a.m., spotted in the 400 block of Garbley Road. Officers searched the area, locating the animal a short time later, here in the 400 block of Dunedin Street. Conservation officers were notified and tracked the cougar. It was last seen near Waterfront and Jack Ladder Lane at around 5.30 a.m.
The area was close to the Montessori school, so our officers stayed on scene and made sure that students were able to get into school safely. There was a lot of excitement this morning. The school went into a hold and secure, letting parents know they were welcome to bring their children as long as they were escorted into the building. And uh, we waited until 11.30, which was when the police told us that we could let the children out for a recess. It's not the first time a cougar has sparked this kind of response. Back in 2015, the now infamous James Bay cougar prompted a complete lockdown of that neighborhood. The animal spent hours running between yards before the opportunity to tranquilize it finally arose. Yeah, that was crazy. But in this case, the search continues. So we're not sure where the cougar went. Then late Tuesday afternoon, another sighting within a block of the last one. Victoria Police tweeting conservation has been contacted and we are asking the public to avoid the area at this time. Officers made the difficult decision to kill the animal. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Just ahead, deals too good to be true. Consumer Matters has tips to avoid counterfeit gifts this holiday season. Plus, we were talking about hockey and stuff, and then we thought that we should all join. Newcomers experience Canada's game for the first time, led by a man who's been there too. Holiday shopping season is already here for many, and a lot of people are searching online for the perfect gift. But the last thing you want is to find out that the hot item you've purchased is a fake. With more on how to avoid buying counterfeit goods online, let's bring in Consumer Matters reporter Andrea. And Thanks, Sophie. This is the time of year when consumers are vulnerable and may be deceived into buying a counterfeit product. According to the Canadian Anti-Counterfeiting Network, counterfeit goods have escalated to unprecedented levels. In fact, it's estimated fake goods cost the Canadian economy between 20 and 30 billion dollars annually. Some of the top counterfeit goods include handbags, watches, cosmetics, electronics, and medicine. And many of these items are often associated with third-party sellers. What's worse, many of these illegal products pose a serious threat to a consumer's health and safety and may have environmental risks as well. Experts in this area say consumers need to be extra vigilant, especially during the holidays when many shoppers are watching their bottom line. The third-party seller are those that may be a small shop in Asia or in some other developing country, and they like to take advantage and set up an online shop onto, let's say, Amazon or onto, let's say, like a Facebook, and that they sell the product to the developed country. So especially right now, the prices are going up. Like so, the real prices are going up, so therefore, like more likely to have room for people to sell a kind of beating because. People like to, like a consumer. They like to buy a cheaper product. So the counterfeiter would see this as a psychological opportunity to take advantage and sell a lower price product. So how to avoid purchasing knockoff goods? As always, beware of products that offer prices that are too good to be true. Watch out for prices well below market value. Also, shop on legitimate sites, but even then you could run into trouble from third-party sellers. So make sure you recognize the seller and the brand. And of course, be wary of reviews. Scammers often post fake reviews, so don't rely on them. If you have fallen victim and received a counterfeit good, it's recommended victims act quickly to 
dispute the charge with their credit card company, you can also reach out to the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre for help. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can contact me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Thanks very much, Anne. Clawing back the pandemic emergency benefits. They uh, reversed the benefit and required these people to pay back the $1,000. The surprise change in policy that hurt some of the earliest recipients next. And the amazing story of Emmett, who beat the odds, and how many other young patients in B.C. could benefit from experimental drugs, too. Well, B.C.'s ombudsperson and the provincial government are at an impasse over whether more than 12,000 people should be able to keep a $1,000 COVID emergency benefit. As Richard Zussman reports, the government is trying to claw back that money, a move the ombudsperson says is unfair. The COVID-19 economic benefit was a financial boost when some British Columbians needed it the most. Then, an unpleasant surprise. People who applied in the initial uh, seven weeks of the program uh, were not told uh, that later uh, a deadline was imposed for filing uh, their 2019 taxes. BC's Ombudsman releasing a report Tuesday showing thousands of British Columbians were unfairly stripped of the $1,000 COVID benefit. Originally, the government provided the support without a deadline for the recipient to file taxes. But that was changed retroactively, putting in a deadline without directly informing everyone. It was okay for government to later impose a deadline, and it was okay even for that deadline to be imposed in a manner that was retroactive. What was not okay was that people weren't told that there was this new requirement. The ombudsperson has provided three recommendations, including providing written notice to all recipients, launching a public review of the benefit process, and making changes to the way program rule changes are communicated. So far, the province has rejected all the recommendations. I am astonished. I think that it's a basic principle of administrative fairness uh, that, uh, that people receive notice of changes that are going to adversely affect them if they don't comply. The province insists they sent letters to people who were impacted, but knows that some may not have received it in time, and concedes that things could be done differently when communicating programs of this magnitude. But ultimately believe the benefit program was a success because it helped so many people. We did this fairly quickly because we wanted to make sure we got $1,000 into people's pockets. We managed to get money into 640000 Of those, 12,000 people are still being told they need to repay the benefit due to the tax issue. And there is a payment plan program in place for those who need it. Richard Zosman, Global News, Victoria. The federal government updated Canadians on its spending plans today, acknowledging the cost of living crisis while offering new measures to try to help tackle it. The update suggests Canada will avoid a recession, but with no immediate growth on the horizon, Finance Minister Christian Freeland outlined some new guardrails to demonstrate fiscal restraint. With housing top of mind for Canadians, Freeland announced the government will set aside $15 billion for low-cost loans to developers as well as a billion dollars for affordable housing. And for those paying a mortgage, the government is announcing a Canadian mortgage calculator to give homeowners a little more leverage when renegotiating with their lender. Our goal is to help Canadians through an incredibly challenging time. 
by making sure Canadians have the support they need to afford their mortgages and keep their homes when renewing at a time of higher interest rates. Today's update comes as housing and affordability challenges remain top of mind for voters and as the Liberals continue to trail behind the Conservatives in the polls. The city of Penticton has just issued a local state of emergency due to concerns about a potential rock slide that could impact two dozen homes in the community. That's right. The city says a large rock in the Pleasant Valley Mobile Home Park poses a significant threat to residents in the northwest corner of the neighborhood. A geotechnical engineer reviewed the site and made the decision to evacuate. The city is working to further assess the area and come up with plans to mitigate the issue. Emergency support services is assisting the displaced residents. The assessment of the site will resume tomorrow. Well, clinical trials are often the only hope for children diagnosed with rare and incurable diseases. An Abbotsford family is sharing the story of their son Emmett, who got a second chance at life, hoping a new clinical trial, Superhub, at BC Children's Hospital, will give more families like theirs faster access to new treatments. When Emmett was five months old, he was diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy, a rapidly debilitating disease that causes muscle weakness. It was um, earth shattering for us. Their life expectancy of uh, SMA uh, at the time without treatment uh, was maybe 12 months. The family was given a life changing opportunity to be part of a clinical trial for a drug called Spinraza. It's amazing. It's like it's really um, one of those things that, that we've been so fortunate um, to connect with BC Children's and this, um, this clinical trial. And, and um, since then, the, the clinical trial um, has ended and the drug has been approved. Some patients leave the province to access clinical trials. Others may die before a trial gets started. They're expensive and challenging to start. But soon, more BC families can be given the gift of hope. BC Children's Hospital is launching the Clinical Trial Super Hub. The Clinical Trial Super Hub will build the infrastructure so that we're ready. So as soon as an invitation to participate in a trial that will bring a new therapy through a trial to a kid, we'll be ready to take it. Expertise and resources would also be brought to regional hospitals where patients can benefit from clinical trials closer to home. The vision is to allow every child in BC and the Yukon access to a clinical trial when needed. If we're talking about rare disease, five to ten kids in BC, but for common conditions like suicidal ideation in adolescents, you're talking about adolescents, we're talking about hundreds of them per year that we see through the emergency department that could participate in the trials and benefit from the treatment. BC Children's Hospital Foundation has kicked off fundraising efforts with $4.2 million raised at the annual Crystal Ball Gala. It's enough to launch the super hub, but $12.5 million is needed to be sustainable after five years. Life expectancy was a year or two. And, and he's eight and, and showing no signs of slowing down. The hub will be up and running in the new year and soon more BC families like Emmett's can be given the gift of hope. Grace Key, Global News. Still ahead, a surprise guest at the Canucks game. We are thrilled to welcome Prince Harry, the Duke of Sussex. Building excitement for the upcoming Invictus Games. Plus... They're long overdue for a return to Vancouver. How the Rolling Stones are going to solve that next.
Cliss has been in a good mood all day because one of the biggest rock <laughs> bands ever is going back on tour next year and will be stopping in Canada along the way. Right? Who needs Taylor Swift? Couldn't get tickets to her anyway, and I don't know if I will for this one, but the Rolling Stones' Hackney Diamonds Tour follows the band's first album of original music in 18 years. The band's only Canadian stop will be Vancouver, July 5th. They last performed in Canada in 2019. They had plans to come here, but then the pandemic spoiled that, and the tour was canceled. So great to know that they will be coming back next summer. When did tickets go on sale? I don't know. December something? December Is it December something? something? like that? That's how clueless I am. I, will, I would camp out. <laughs> I have set a budget, that. though, and, I, and if they're more than that, I ain't going. Okay. Well. Oh, we'll see. Up for negotiation. <laughs> All right. Let's bring in meteorologist Christy Gordon with a look at our weather forecast. Christy? Thank you so much, Sophie and Chris. Uh, yeah, so we're starting off with some images because we've actually had a few photos of what we call lenticular cloud. This one from Francis looking towards Mount Baker, and it's a very stationary but curvy looking cloud. I've got more images to show you what they look like. They're sort of like uh, UFO looking clouds. Lenticular comes from the, the um, uh, base term lentil, so they're kind of like lentils, I guess, or lens-shaped clouds. And here's a few images showing them. These are embedded within that cloud layer that you can see and sometimes they come in layers. Here's how they're created. Basically what you have is when you get a stable air mass and the wind is traveling along and because of topography this air mass is forced up and over the mountain. Now it continues in a wave-like form as it uh, makes its way on the lee side of the mountain but as it's forced upwards the um, air mass actually reaches its dew point or condenses creating a cloud cover but when it comes down from the crest of the wave it then there therefore loses that cloud cover and it continues in that form. So these are lenticular cloud. This one is a, a cap cloud, which you saw over Mount Baker, and this one's a lee wave cloud. And uh, thank you to everyone who shared photos with us. A clearing trend on the way for us tomorrow. In fact, we've got a ridge of high pressure that's going to build across most areas, although we will see a little bit of cloud cover tomorrow morning, maybe a little bit of drizzle, but overall we're trending towards sunshine by the latter part of the day. And here's a look at the temperatures near seasonal values. Again, flurries changing to showers, but clearing out throughout the day. Here's a look at your south coast forecast. So we're expecting terrific conditions. Again, a little bit of cloud cover for the lower mainland, especially out through the Fraser Valley, away from the water in the morning with a bit of drizzle. But there's your five-day forecast looking pretty phenomenal indeed. I'll leave you with tonight's central windows weather window, which is really the first uh, lenticular cloud photo that I saw today, which was sensational. This is from Sayward. Joyce, thanks for sharing that with us. Beautiful. Thank you, Christy. Stack of pancakes. That's what I see. Hockey fans are still buzzing after a surprise appearance from British and Hollywood royalty at last night's Canucks game. As Cassidy Moscone reports, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are in town drumming up support for the 2025 Invictus Games, the first ever winter edition of the competition. Tonight, we are thrilled to welcome Prince Harry, the Duke of Sussex. Rogers Arena gets the royal treatment. Prince Harry and his wife Meghan, the Canucks' newest fans, in town ahead of the 2025 Invictus Games here in BC. It was fantastic. They're very excited. They love British Columbia. 
I represent Saanich. They stayed in North Saanich. We had a lot of conversations about the clubhouse sandwich that uh, the Duke enjoyed while he stayed there. Um, they can't wait to bring their family back. The Duke of Sussex following in his late grandmother's footsteps, Queen Elizabeth II, who dropped the puck 21 years earlier. First up on the Royal Itinerary, Whistler, set to host the Invictus Games' first ever winter edition. Using that to address a different cohort of wounded, injured and sick. We've got, for example, you know, a new nation, Nigeria, um, coming to do winter sports. I mean, that, that's taking them completely into a different place. It's offering them opportunities they never thought they'd have. Um, and, and I think there's a real excitement around that. Hosted in partnership with the region's four First Nations how we can build uh, our community and make it stronger, not just with the Indigenous peoples, but, you know, united with our communities. There's so much potential to for true reconciliation. The Invictus Games will see more than 500 competitors from over 20 nations descend on Vancouver and Whistler. We're still more than 14 months out, but hype is already building. And the volunteer program, I mean, just since last night, since the Canucks game, um, uh, 98 people have registered for the volunteer program. Here's a chance, Zetterlin, poke check, oh, what a save! The power of sport and a royal veteran with a vision to bring communities together. Cassidy Moscone, Global News. The Canucks gave him a good show, Squire. They did. And Rick Tockett was obviously happy. The Canucks beat San Jose last night 3-1, but he was also happy that he had a very brief Prince Harry encounter. I gave him a fistball. I don't know if that's you're allowed to do that. I, I did it, though. He did it. And by the third period, it looked like after JT Miller's goal, that Megan had become a Canucks fan as well. She's having fun, all right. Also tonight, when falling down is fun, newcomers to Canada introduced to the sport that unites us. Canucks put on a good show for the Royals last night, but they, they seem did. to be doing yeah. that for everybody. Yes, for the most part. I mean, Quinn Hughes is the only guy on top of scoring right now with JT Milner second in the NHL, the only Canuck, I should say. He's number one. And so many Canuck players are having what look to be career years so far, or at least if they're not having career years, they're buying into what Rick Talkin and the coaching staff want from them. And one guy who has really done that is Dakota Joshua. Go back to the preseason. We all remember when Talkett said that Joshua needed to pick up his game if he wanted to make the team and stay out of Abbotsford. He did enough to make it. But since then, he's done even more. He's out on penalty kills. He's being defensively responsible. He's moving the puck out of his own well. He's also introducing opposition players to the boards. He has, he's been one of our best forwards when it comes to exits and, and winning wall battles. I mean, that's the... We need those type of players, and he's taken that to heart. Um, he's, and I think he's done a nice job in the penalty kill. So, um, yeah, I mean, he'll tell you. Sometimes, you know, we, listen, I remember playing the game. I needed a wake-up call, uh, and you need it, whether it's from me or another coach or from your teammates. But I love the fact that he took it and he owned it. That's To me, that's character. So Nils Hoaglander was kicked out of the game last night in the second period for this slew foot on Kevin LeBanc. Luckily, LeBanc wasn't injured on the play. He came back in the third period. But Hoaglander was fined today for the amount of $2,864.58, which seems like a strange number. But whatever the case, he said today he didn't mean to do it, and he's glad LeBanc is okay. 
Um, yeah, I don't think that was, I didn't do it on purpose, so, um, I mean, those things happen out there, and I um, I didn't do it on purpose, and I think that was a, a bad play from my side, so I take that fine. All right, so Canada-Jamaica, second leg of their Nations League Cup quarterfinal. Canada won the first game in Jamaica 2-1, so now Canada's home. Canada hasn't lost at home in 17 straight games. And there's Alfonso Davies. Is this one? Yep. Has enough English on it to get by for Canada and give us a 1-0 lead. But then in the second half, the Canadians unravel. And I do mean unravel. Shamar Nicholson with a goal there to make it 1-1. Now, if they finish tie on aggregate... It goes to who has the most away goals. Canada had two away goals in Jamaica. Now Jamaica has two away goals. That's Shamar Nicholson as well. So it's 2-1. Canada ties it, though. Ismail Kone, that makes it 2-2. Okay, Canada's back in shape. But a penalty kick for Jamaica and Bobby de Cordova reed will score the winning goal. Because Jamaica had three away goals and Canada had two, Jamaica wins this, so Canada is out of the Nations League. We still have a chance, a roundabout chance, of making Copa America. Uh, Davis Cup today. Milos Ronic hasn't played Davis Cup in five years, but he was first up in singles, and he won his match in straight sets. Now, Canada is the defending champs at the Davis Cup, but they didn't have Felix Auger-Aliassime. He has a lower body injury. BC's Vashik Pospisil was in the doubles match to the side at all along with uh, Alexis Gallarneau. But the Finns won the first set. And despite that great point right there by Pospisil, the Finns won the doubles match in straight sets. So Canada will not successfully defend the Davis Cup. We are out in the quarterfinals. Quarterfinals not good to mm -hmm. this nation today. All right. Well, on that note, Squire, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> Sorry. Well, let's get back to hockey and something that we can all get behind. It's for everyone. And we've got the Vancouver man introducing new Canadians to Canada's favorite sport. Next. This is BC is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agency's group. 50 years of trust in your community. Jordan Armstrong here now with a look ahead to what's coming up on Global News at 11. Jordan. Sophie, tonight, a closer look at something that affects us all, grocery prices. Overall, Canada's inflation rate slowed last month, but food prices remained high. October's grocery inflation rate was 5.4%. At 11, the political pressure on grocers to give consumers some relief. And which major chain just announced a temporary price freeze on more than 20,000 products? Plus, where else Meghan Markle was spotted besides Rogers Arena? Sophie? <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta wait till 11. Yeah. Thank you. Harry doesn't even get a mention there. <laughs> All right, hockey is Canada's game, of course, played by generations of kids growing up here. And now a Vancouver man is making sure the sport is introduced to kids who are new to Canada as well. In tonight's This is BC, Jay Durant shows us how the Hockey for Youth program makes the good old hockey game affordable and inclusive laces here on the bottom you want to keep them a little bit loose lacing up the skates a classic canadian moment you're from uganda my dad's from uganda i was born in uganda really for many girls who knew nothing about hockey growing up in other countries the first time i was very nervous oh if i fall down i'll get hurt 
Moisin Hashem's Hockey for Youth program is launching this winter in Metro Vancouver yeah. with support from the Canucks for Kids Fund. We are effectively an on-ramp. We are that first step for these girls out onto the ice. When you lean on your stick, you take your third leg. Think about the cost. It costs $4,000 to put a kid into hockey for one season. Yeah, that's right. It's okay. You're wearing knee pads. Why are you wearing Okay, three, two, one. Hey. Mo remembers very well being gifted hockey gear from a neighbor so he could get into the sport at a young age. Someone giving me the equipment, and now that's what I'm doing with the Charitable Foundation. My parents came to Canada as refugees in 1972 when they were exiled out of Uganda, and we didn't have a lot of money. He's gained inspiration from former NHLer Willie O'Ree, trying to make sure everyone gets a chance to play. Listening to his story about persevering, becoming the first black NHL player, inspired thousands, tens of thousands of kids to get out on the ice. Willie was that first person doing this work, and I'm just following along in his footsteps. There are a lot of rookies out here finding their love for a new game. Like get to know how to skate and then maybe like in future we can volunteer and help other people like how they're helping us right now. Good job, way to go. It will take some time to master the skills, but they'll get there with a little help from the experts. That smile, it's all about that smile. Who for starters have made sure they at least know the team to cheer for in this town. Go Canucks, go! Go Canucks, go! Jay Durant, Global go News. Well, they got the chant down really well, so <laughs> I like there's good future ahead. If you know someone who has a great story to tell, email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Right, we should find that tape of you and Randine back in the day with the Vancouver Giants. <laughs> I don't know if, I think the tape was lost no. somewhere. I don't oh, I oh, wonder yeah, about sure. that. We don't just go around <laughs> losing tapes around here. <laughs> well, good luck in finding that. <laughs> we'll dig it up. Uh, quickly, some sunshine a little later. Tomorrow, yeah, so I, mean. I certainly expect some cloud cover and a bit of drizzle tomorrow for East Metro Vancouver, Fraser Valley, but otherwise sunshine. Enjoy, everyone. Awesome. Thanks, Christy. Thanks for watching, everyone. Good night, all.